0: Alrighty, News Talk 1110-993-WBT, The Pete Callender Show. Welcome, welcome. 704-570-1110, 10, 1-800-WBT-1110. 10. I kept telling people, they were like, oh, it's so cold. I can't wait for it to get nice. And then they saw the forecast of like 82 degrees. And they said, oh, yes, this is fantastic. And I said, uh-uh, careful. It's going to be like 80, 85 degrees for about three or four days, and then it's going to be 90 plus until October. So I was totally fine with the weather just taking its time to get hot. But that's life in Charlotte, right? All right. You can email Pete at the Pete calendar show.com. You can also follow uh, the podcast. We post them every single day, every hour after each hour is done. So you get three podcasts today. You're welcome. Um, all right. So first off today, just a programming note real quickly, is that the three candidates for Mecklenburg County Sheriff are going to be debating tonight. It is set for 630 right here on WBT. You can listen live at WBT dot com. Uh, you can um, also I think they I think they may be doing it on a Facebook or something, but we're the only media outlet to carry it. It's hosted by the Fraternal Order of Police and the three Democratic candidates participating are Sheriff Gary McFadden, the incumbent as well as the two challengers, Gina Hicks and Marquise Robinson, and it's going to be moderated by our own Brett Jensen. So that starts at 6.30 tonight. It's going to be commercial-free. It's going to run 90 minutes until 8 p.m. Only on News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. So I uh, came across this story. This was uh, an AP story, but posted up at Spectrum News. Mark Meadows. A former chief of staff to President Donald Trump, who was removed from North Carolina voter rolls this month, is still a registered voter in two other states. I know. It's amazing. Not really, though. I don't know why he's registered in South Carolina as well. Um, But he is. That's the... That's the published report. A a spokesperson, I almost called him a spokesman. Oh my gosh, I did not mean to do that. Spokesperson for the South Carolina Election Commission named Chris Whitmire said that the former Republican congressman and his wife registered as voters in the state in March 2022, which is like last month. Okay. And Whitmire says that's when he became active And he noted that neither Meadows or his wife or either of the Meadows have yet to cast a vote in the state. He said, quote, from our perspective, it just looks like any new South Carolina voter. Yeah, when people move, they register to vote at their new location. Now, I know that the North Carolina House that he claimed to be uh, to be residing in, that was the earlier story from a couple of weeks ago where Uh, There was this mountain home cabin, whatever you want to call it. I I think it's actually a single wide trailer or something. And then, of course, there was this backlash outrage of uh, the lefties that were like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe a former chief of staff would live in such a place. Yeah, I, I don't know either, but I also know that when I lived up there, there were a lot of people with a lot of money and they would have rustic, very dilapidated properties in the mountains that they would go off to. To get back in touch with nature and that sort of thing. Now, maybe you don't believe Meadows and his wife are the kinds of people to do that. I don't know if they are, but that's where they registered. Now, the other part of that story was that the woman who owned the property had rented it out as an Airbnb, uh, and she was unaware that Mark Meadows ever visited the site. She knew that Debbie Meadows had, and the kids, I think, for like a month or two months or something like that, they had Uh, rented it from her, but they were never permanent residents there. They they never bought the place. And some guy who owns it now, um, he says he obviously did not buy it from Meadows. So we're unclear as to why they would have registered at that location. And Meadows hasn't explained it, but he has been purged from the voter rolls. He has also not been accused as far as I know, and I've been reading the stories about it. He has not been accused of voting in multiple locations in the same election. So, He's just voting at one place in each election cycle. And so now he has registered to vote in South Carolina. And the South Carolina elections guy says it it just looks like a new voter. Yeah, but it's Mark Meadows. Don't you understand? It's Mark Meadows. So if it's Mark Meadows, then that means like he's doing something wrong, (laughs) which is the tenor of a lot of the coverage. The South Carolina. See, here's the point I, I raise in just bringing up the story, which is. We rely on the Postal Service and boards of election list maintenance in order to keep the voting rolls uh, clean, which, by the way, I'm in favor of. I've been a supporter of uh, the purging of old voters, getting the you know inactives, get them off the lists and such. And uh, I would like to see comparisons like the, the, the cross check, the state's cross check, where you can match up different voters who are in different states by last four digits of Social Security numbers or driver's license numbers, uh, as well as, uh, you know, names and, and birth dates. And because there are a lot of people with the same name and even the same name and same birthday, especially if you have a common name. So that does happen. So you want to you want to cross check with, you know, four identifiable pieces of information. And this way you know if people are voting in different states. Now, the pushback against this obviously common sense idea has always come from the left. It's always from the left. But now there's Mark minerals Now they're like, oh, we, we, we got something. What you got is an example of the poor list management systems and the reliance on the postal service. A lot of people don't realize this. When you move, and trust me, I've done a lot of moving in the last three years. Okay. We've been living out of boxes For almost two years, my wife and I, because of the different moves that one was related to coming back to Charlotte, but there were other moves up in the Asheville area as well. And uh, not only does it give the Postal Service a real run for their money in trying to keep their systems updated, uh, but you realize how easy it is to kind of just slip through the cracks. Because the Board of Elections will send out a postcard to your address, and if you live there, then you don't send it back, which is that's like the opposite of an authentication process. Think about when you go to a website, you type in your username and they're like, we need two step authentication. And so we're going to send you a text message and then you have to respond with the number, right? The code. What does that, what does that prove? It proves that you are the person and you are the, you know, one at this website with these credentials, but the board of elections sends out these cards. And if you don't send it back, they take that as proof that it's you, the exact opposite. They're relying on the postal service to send it back. But if there's no change of address form, or if you've moved a couple times, you give them a real run, run for their money. Trust me, we couldn't get our mail for like five weeks. It just, yeah, I don't know where it was sitting for five weeks. News Talk 1110 993 WBT 704 570 1110 800 WBT 1110. You can email Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. Hit me up on the Twitter machine as well at Pete Calendar. I am on the Facebook in multiple places as well, but just being honest here, I do not uh, lack self awareness. I'm not, I, I, I've never been a real big Facebooker. So. If you want to find me, you can find me on the email or on uh, Twitter, usually Twitter. I mean, I can open that up everywhere. So according to the uh, Associated Press, public records indicate that former Trump chief of staff Mark Meadows had uh, had been registered to vote in Virginia and in North Carolina. He did not vote in both of those states. I feel the need to point this out. Um, But in North Carolina, he listed a mobile home that he never owned and may never have visited Weeks before casting an absentee 2020 presidential ballot in the state. Which, by the way, as somebody who works in Washington, D.C., there's actually an exemption. People are allowed to uh, to do that. You're allowed to, like, if you're planning to return back. And that's that, that's part of the confusion in the law is to de- when determining residency and where you vote, the law, and I went over this at the time this story first broke, part of the problem is that the law... Uh, speaks directly to intent and it's very hard to know what someone's intent is especially if you try to charge him with vote fraud then they just say well my intent was to go back there and then that satisfies uh generally that that'll satisfy the uh the legal requirement and by the way the reason i am aware of these things is because for years for years democrats have been using this law in order to register college kids to vote yeah because how do you determine their intent to stay or not? This is why Republicans have tried to say, okay, well, well, I mean, also that you've got younger people that vote Democrat. So, yes, if you can send them back home from whence they came, then they can not vote in the local elections. And look, there are local elections that, you know, you got colleges in those towns and college kids can vote, uh, can uh, swing an election towards one group of people, one set of candidates, or another, one party or another. Generally, the Democrats. So yes, there's there is an impact there. The question is about where is somebody, uh, where do they reside, and where should they be voting? And that's and I understand that that is a complex and nuanced question. It's it gets to a couple different you know ethics and philosophical types of questions, and so we're not allowed to, we're we're not allowed to discuss that kind of thing. Not in our current political climate. I'm just apparently trying to suppress college kids. That's the, that's the response I get. And it's, a, uh, it's an overly simplistic line of attack that is meant to shut up opponents. Or, or not even opponents. I'm just curious. Okay, well, if we're going to let college kids vote in our state, which we do, and they can claim residency to vote in our state, even if they're living in a dorm room, Right. That they're residing there, even though they're not residing there the whole year, but they intend to return. Right. Because they're coming back the next semester. So I'm fine with that. But for the love of me, can we please double check with their home state, make sure they're not voting in their home state, too? Is that is that such a difficult ask? Why can't we do that? And because you would think I'm asking the world and I'm not. It's very straightforward to me at least that if you got the college kids you got the voter rolls from the different states where they're from just cross check them why can't we do that we could obviously we could but there's one particular political party despite popular opinion for example on voter id people want election integrity measures in place but there's you know the the dominant political party doesn't want that to occur. And so it doesn't occur in North Carolina. We still don't have voter ID in this state. We passed that into our constitution like four years ago. All right. So back to the AP article last month, North Carolina attorney general, Josh Stein's office asked the state Bureau of investigation to investigate because it's right there in the name. So that's what they do. Uh, About a year after he registered in North Carolina, Meadows registered, to vote in Alexandria, Virginia, just weeks before Virginia's high-profile governor's election last fall. Uh, The South Carolina election spokesman, Chris Whitmire, said that when he registered with South Carolina, Meadows should have notified any other jurisdictions of his new status. All right, show of hands, how many of you do that? When you move, do do you call the previous state's board of elections and say, hey, I just want to make sure I'm off the voter rolls. Do you do that? Or do you rely on the Postal Service and the change of address form and the list maintenance that the boards of elections are supposed to be doing? Yeah, so he's he's not he's not alone in this. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. No, no, like WBT. Needy. A local Republican Party leader in North Carolina threatened to get a county elections director fired or have her pay cut unless she helped him gain illegal access to voting equipment. That, according to the state Board of Elections, in an exclusive report by Reuters, the party official, who is no longer, by the way, a party official, nor is he even registered as a Republican, William Keith Center, S E N T E R Center. He sought evidence to support false conspiracy theories alleging the 2020 election was rigged against former U.S. President Donald Trump. The previously unreported incident is part of a national effort by Trump supporters to audit voting systems to bolster the baseless stolen election claims. By the way, are election uh, stolen elections uh, claims. Are those always baseless? Are those claims always baseless? Because I'm old enough to remember when people said that Donald Trump stole the election. I mean, it was a long time ago. You probably can't remember it. Yeah, memory gets, you know, hazy over the years. But I remember it. So are they all baseless or is it just this one baseless? And we know it's baseless now because of all of the audits and investigations and everything else. Is that the idea? See, one of the things... Did you All right. Just follow me down this rabbit hole for just one second. Okay. How many of you bought a lottery ticket for last night's big Powerball drawing? Okay. Uh, we did as well. Christy and I, we never play the lottery. Because we don't play it unless unless it gets to like $400 million, then it's worth my $2 to take a shot. But and before that, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to go down and buy I mean, if it's $350, maybe I'm thinking about it, but then I don't go and get a ticket. Because you got to pay cash, and I don't ever have cash on me. So... It's just not anything that it's part of our lives, right? We don't, we don't uh, play the Power Bowls. So we bought tickets. We bought like five tickets because we had some cash. We're like, oh, we're getting gas. I'll go ahead and get uh, get some uh, uh, some tickets. We, no, we did not win. <laughs> if I won, I would not be here right now. Um, well, I mean, it was like $420 million. You got you to put your ducks in a row for No, I probably would be here the day after I won just to keep everybody guessing whether or not it's me. But then I might be cursing on air because I wouldn't care at that point, right? No, I'm kidding. Uh, I would be a professional. I'm way down a different rabbit hole altogether. But here's the deal. If we know you can create systems like a lottery where people are able to go and uh, make elections, right? You could Because you don't have to get the computer-generated tickets. You can... Actually fill out the bubble sheet and pick your own numbers. Do they still fill out the bubble sheets? See, that's how long it's been since I've actually done this. So we just say, just, you know, give us some random numbers and so we'll lose. So uh but people like pick numbers. And so they make elections. And you can do that. We can create a system that is much like a lottery system. And do people play the lottery if they think it is rigged against them? I'm not talking the odds of winning or anything. I'm talking about People believe that individuals are winning because of who they know. That that there is some sort of backdoor into the system that is undermining the integrity of the lottery system, right? People would not play that system because they would recognize that it is rigged. Much like election systems need to have integrity as well. People need to have confidence that the system's are secure and that people cannot rig the systems. And before you say, well, that's what we have now. That's not true. I just went over the previous story about Mark Meadows. Ah, he makes me so angry. Right. So Mark Meadows and that story there where people are trying to track down. Was he registered in multiple places and all of this? Now, imagine if he wasn't Trump's chief of staff. Would you even know that an individual named Mark Meadows had registered in three different states? Would you know that? No, nobody would know that. What's more, nobody would care. That's how little people value the democracy. Right? If people who claim to want to protect the democracy, if, if people were seriously interested in doing that, they would be my partner in pushing for election integrity reforms. But for some reason, the people who cry the loudest about protecting the democracy are the same people who oppose efforts to protect said democracy. I'm sure it's coincidental, though, right? But get this. This fellow, William Keith Center, uh, he was the chairman of the Surrey County Republican Party. And he told the elections director, Michelle Huff, who is a former Republican, but is now a registered independent. Um, Huff said that she would ensure, or sorry, Center said that he would ensure Huff loses her job if she refuses his demand to access the county's vote tabulators. This is according to the North Carolina State Board of Elections in a written response to questions from Reuters, the news service. Center was, quote, aggressive, threatening and hostile in two different meetings with Huff. uh, The state board of elections cited witness accounts. Now Huff, the elections director refused his demands. She said she was disturbed by the incident of political intimidation though. Centers demands to see the tabulators are a potential violation of state law in a legal met, which by the way, throw the book at the guy. See, that's the thing. I don't care who's engaging in efforts to undermine election integrity. If it's Meadows or Center or Republicans in general, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. I want those people held accountable. But that means we hold everybody accountable. So Senate, a uh, Center rather, and a prominent pro-Trump conspiracist, Douglas Frank, Met with the elections director on March 28th, so just a couple weeks ago, claiming that there was a quote chip in the voting machines that pinged a cell tower on November 3rd and somehow influenced election results. The they, the state board of elections said this is a fabricated this claim is fabricated disinformation. Separately, in a public gathering that Huff did not attend, Center threatened to have Huff's pay cut, according to Huff, who said a person at the meeting told her about the threat. So it's hearsay evidence, which. Being in this line of work, I can tell you people call and email me uh, often enough where it's noticeable and they say, I didn't hear you say this, but somebody else told me that you said this. And then they yell at me for saying the thing that they didn't hear me say. Now, get this. This is the second to last paragraph uh, or sorry, third to uh, fifth to last paragraph. Exactly how Center planned to retaliate against her remains unclear. He claimed to have the backing of the Surrey County commissioners, all five of whom are Republicans, but neither he nor the county commissioners, have any power over her job, right? That rests with the state board of elections, and that board is controlled by Democrats. He had no ability at all to get her fired or have her pay reduced. So he's making empty, hollow threats against her. That's the story? Okay. Okay. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Uh, next hour, I'm actually going to speak with, uh, in about another, what, 15 minutes here, I'll speak with Lee Lise Wheel, formerly of Fox News. Uh, now she's a legal analyst for a bunch of different outlets, CNN, NPR, and the like. But she's got a book, and uh, it's about Robert Hansen from the FBI, the spy, it's a pretty amazing book. So, um and I've been reading it through, so we'll talk with her uh after the one o'clock news. Looking forward to that. All right. So uh what else do we have on the uh oh election front here? Which by the way, I should also point out today is April twenty sixth, and that means uh in two more days, April twenty eighth, on Thursday, early voting opens from April twenty eighth all the way through May 14th. So you've got 14, 15, 16, 17 days to vote early. 17 days to vote early. Plus election day itself, which is May 17th. And this is for the primary election. I encourage you to go to the Board of Elections website, Mecklenburg County Board of Elections, and uh, get your sample ballot. There will be multiple versions. If you are an unaffiliated voter, you can vote in the Democrat primary You can vote in the Republican primary, either or. You can't do both. You got to pick. Or you can actually, I don't know if there are any actual libertarian uh, primaries because uh, they don't usually field enough candidates to challenge one another. Um, At least not where in my district. I'm not, I I don't, there's no libertarian uh, primary that I saw. So. Uh, You can look at those both of those ballots. You can also ask for an unaffiliated ballot, but I don't even think that matters. I mean, maybe some judge races or something, but you want to pick one or the other if you're an unaffiliated. Now, if you're a Democrat, you got to run uh, or you got to vote in the Democrat primary Republicans in the GOP one. So uh, but Thursday, all 16 sites, early voting sites will be open. And so the general time frame looks like this. Uh, The times are 8 a.m. until 7.30 p.m. on weekdays, which, by the way, I'm old enough to remember when Republicans changed those hours in order to make early voting last until 7.30 at night because local boards of elections were, dare I say, rigging the, the schedules, closing the early voting sites, before five o'clock, so obviously the benefit would be to people who you know work uh, nine to five. They don't; uh, they're not going to be able to go vote, and that would redound to one party's benefit over the other. Anyway, right now here are your times: eight a.m. until seven thirty p.m. weekdays. On the weekends, you've got different hours. So on Saturdays, eight a.m. to three p.m. So half day. 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. Saturdays. There are three of them. There are two Sundays. So get your souls to the polls, churches. May 1st and May 8th, all 16 sites are open from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. So you got a three-hour window on Sundays. You have a, what, a seven-hour window on Saturdays. And you have an a, almost a 12-hour window every weekday, 8 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. Make your plans now. I don't want to hear people like, oh, I didn't have any time to vote. You got you got almost three weeks starting on Thursday. All right. McCray Dallas, a key figure in the North Carolina uh, Congressional District 9 election fraud investigation, has died following his battle with cancer. His daughter wrote that her father passed away peacefully on Sunday morning, according to a social media post. Dallas was facing 13 criminal counts. Related to activities from the 2016 and 2018 elections. By the way, I will add, I will interject into this uh, Queen City News story that uh, that means nobody has ever been actually charged, or sorry, convicted of vote fraud in that race. Isn't that amazing? After all this time, it was 2016, 2018, it's been four years, and Nobody was ever put on trial for all the fraud that prompted the Democrat Board of Elections to toss out the results of that race. Now the charges get dropped too. The Wake County District Attorney Lauren Freeman, who was overseeing the case, sent out a statement and it said, "Unfortunately, COVID created a delay in the handling of this case like with many others. We had set a trial date of August And Mr. Dallas was entitled to the presumption of innocence through his day in court. Uh, There remain about six other charges related to this matter, and we will be moving forward with those cases with the understanding that the state's position was always that Mr. Dallas was the principal actor in coordinating the ballot process in question. Dallas and others had been charged in 2019 on state charges related to the 2016 and 2018 primary and general elections. Dallas worked in, uh, in 2017 and 2018 in part for then-candidate Mark Harris, 9th Congressional District candidate. Witnesses told state officials that Dowless, with the help of his assistants, gathered hundreds of absentee ballots from Bladen County where he lived. Those workers testified that they were directed to collect blank or incomplete ballots, forge signatures on them, and even fill in votes for local candidates. And this was apparently... Information, criminal information, this tactic, this strategy, this mechanism, was brand new. Yeah, apparently, if I am to believe the coverage and the response, McRae Dallas invented this. Because nobody else has figured out how to do these things that McRae Dallas apparently has been doing for decades. Right? That's what you want me to believe, This is, this is one of the most ridiculous arguments in the Ninth the District uh, coverage and people's response to it. This idea that McRae dallas found a way to do something, to run this operation, and to do it for multiple election cycles. But nobody else can figure out a way to do the same thing when it's really very easy. And no, I'm not going to explain how easy it is in detail. Dan Forrest did that for you. Remember Dan Forrest, the lieutenant governor, when he was running for governor in 2020, he put out a video criticizing uh, Governor Roy Cooper for, you know, preventing voter ID. And so what Dan Forrest did was walk you through the very simple steps on how to commit vote fraud. And the left went nuts. How dare he say these things? He's trying to teach people how how to commit vote fraud. He's not trying to teach people how to do it. He's telling people this is how easy it is and it's being done because it's easy. That's the point. When something is so easy, oh, and by the way, this argument that you usually hear on election integrity measures uh, from the opposition is, is something like, whoa, who would risk getting charged with a felony? Why would you even risk it just for voting? People do really stupid things. People leave their driver's license on the bank teller counter as they rob the bank. I don't know. People do stupid things. I cannot be held accountable for stupid people doing stupid things. But people do break the law when they are so motivated because I really, really hate this person. And they're so motivated, they'll go vote. And they'll vote multiple times because the democracy depends on it. When you raise the stakes that high, that everything is, you know, an 11 out of 10 in importance. Yeah, people will do some crazy stuff you <laughs>